I just don't like you. That's how Russell Westbrook uh, addressed our guest on the Pro Basketball Talk podcast today, Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman. Uh, Barry ha- has covered Oklahoma sports for a long time, including Russell Westbrook's tenure with the Thunder. Uh, had some eventful run-ins with Russell Westbrook over the years. Um, and so I particularly wanted Barry's uh, perspective on Russell Westbrook's comments this week, uh, where, where he let his guard down a little bit, talked about how uh, he thought some of the criticism of him had, had crossed a line into something personal. He particularly brought up the Westbrook Westbrick nickname. I uh, said that went too far. So, Barry, thank you uh, for joining us. And uh, w- just initially, what was your uh, reaction to what Russell Westbrook said this week? Oh, I thought it was a little silly. Uh, Mon- I think it was Monday night when he when he said some of that stuff. Um, you know, Westbrook is uh, he's a little bit like Bobby Knight in that he wants uh, he wants uh, respect from everyone, but he's not really willing to to reciprocate much. Um, you know, I've I've not held it against Westbrook much in the last five, six, seven, eight years. Um, I don't think he has anything personal against me. I think he just decided he needed a cause and I was the easy, easiest foil in front of him. But um, when he goes to talking about respecting somebody's name, which is really what he seemed to be talking about, that's sort of silly. Um, I covered him 11 years and not one time did he call me by name. I don't remember him calling much of anybody by name, so he's he's really sort of practicing the do as I do as I say, not as I do method. Um, he's in a tough spot. I feel I feel for him. I don't harbor him any will. He was a he was great for Oklahoma City. He gave us a million basketball thrills, and it's not going well for him since he left town. It's going terrible in Los Angeles. I don't know what the effect, what, what the result's going to be. It's going to be a mess either way. Um, but this week was the one time when I sort of said, "Listen, Russ, this, you know, we can't write this one off. You're just, you're just being silly." You know, I, I do think it's possible he's getting uh, criticism. Uh, you know, th- things and his family are getting things beyond what's acceptable. But I agree, it did sound kind of silly putting in, you know, the West Rick nickname. Um, but it also surprised me. I mean, this is somebody who who has put up an armor, ha- has you know carried himself a certain way throughout his NBA career, and show this level of vulnerability. That's something as trivial and basic and benign as the Westbrook nickname is getting to him like this. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with, with how he's taking it, I was surprised he brought it up in this way and let people in a little bit. Um, after seeing him so many years in Oklahoma City, did that surprise you? Yeah, and I think it's a sign of just how severe the problem is and with the Lakers, how sort of a tortured his career has become, you know, he was beloved in Oklahoma city, even in the downtimes, even when, you know, we sort of started to see that maybe one of the reasons Kevin Durant left was he didn't want to play with Westbrook anymore. Um, but people stuck by Westbrook people, you know, people loved him, uh, adored him. And, uh, you know, when he left, even after he left, came back with Houston, you know, he was received when he, upon return, like a, like a, uh, a hero, which he should have been, deserved to be. But he's going through things he's never gone be- through before. 
and I'm not sure he's equipped to handle it. I'm not sure many people are equipped to handle it. You know, the, the, de- the declining years of a superstar do not go well for most. Um, you know, even professional athletes, most professional athletes, they don't necessarily age gracefully, but they can sort of age privately, you know. Anthony Morrow or Nick Collison, nobody's really critiquing how they play in their in their declining years. Everybody's critiquing Russell Westbrook, and it's not very favorable. And he's not accustomed to that. This is Mr. Triple-Double. This is the MVP. This is a superstar. And I think he's, you know, he's struggling with how to handle it, both from a media perspective but also from an internal perspective. And... I think that can lead to somebody doing something they don't normally do or, or that's not natural to them, which is sort of open up and be a little bit vulnerable. You know, one of the things Russell's always said is he doesn't really care what anybody says. Oh, that's not true. I know he says it, but there's no yeah. way it's true. He does. I would say this. It's possible that he comes as close or closer than most to to achieving that status in terms of, I don't know that he read a lot of what was written about him. I don't know that he listened to a lot of what was said about him. Um, so, but this is different. This is not the media. You know, this is not the media saying stuff. He's made the media the enemy. You know, I'm, I'm the poster child for that, but I'm not the only one. It's, it's most of the media. But this is not the media saying Westbrook. This isn't, you know, these are the fans. And this is not just opposing fans. This is, you know, he's in, in his home arena, in his hometown. People are sort of mocking him, and I think that leads him to not knowing how to, not knowing how to handle all this. Well, it, it is media too. I think a lot of this started with Skip Bayless. Um, I don't know what it started with, but it was a jumping off point where his wife uh, went at Skip Bayless a little bit on Twitter, and Skip Bayless often uses, you know, the Westbrook nickname. Um, and so it, it is fans, it is media. It's it's just such a, a large group of people. Like, I don't know how you stop it, right? I don't, you know, I, I do have some sympathy for what he's going through. I'm sure this is tough personally. Um, you know, he takes pride in his name. This might not be the easiest thing for his family to hear the Westbrook nickname over and over, but it's probably not easy to hear, you know, Russell Westbrook sticks over and over, um, you know, and that's just basketball. There's nothing, you know, specific play on his name with, with that sentence. Um, it's all hard, and you mix all together, and you look for a scapegoat, and uh, you make a good point that the media has been the scapegoat over the years, and now it's you know the singling out of this West Brick nickname. Um, he's been so combative, as you mentioned, with the media in particular over the years, um, and that you know that colors who he is and how how I think we respond to this. He, he looks a certain way when he reverses course now and says, "Hey." This is getting to be too much. Can you can you be a little nicer to me? You know, like again, I do have some sympathy for that in general. But have you seen any signs over the years? I mean, you were, like you said, you were the poster child of being on the other side of this. Have you seen any signs before this that Russ had softened in, in both in how he wanted to be treated, but also how he had treated others? Any signs before this that he had softened, or or does this look to you as inconsistent? as it does based on, you know, how Westbrook has been for so many years. Yeah, I've seen nothing that he's softened. I mean, he – let's see, that would have been the 19 playoffs. 
is when he got on the kick of not answering <laughs> answering any of my questions with next question. By the yeah. end by the end of that playoff, he actually answered my question by game would have been game five in Portland. Um, he didn't answer, you know, reasonable. I mean, he, it wasn't any. It wasn't a good answer, but he at least answered. Um, but I haven't seen any softening. Here's what I would say about Russell, though. I've had a couple, I've had two or three situations, interactions with Russell Westbrook that were not an interview situation. It wasn't me asking questions and him needing to answer or expected to answer. And he's sort of a normal, he was sort of a normal person in those two situations. I, I once, uh, I once made him mad with a question uh, that I asked. I didn't realize it at the time, but I learned through, you know, PR people that, you know, he was sort of offended by that question. And I could sort of understand why. Most of my questions are fairly benign, but I once asked him something that, that legitimately upset him. And after I, you know, I was alerted to it, I could see why. I still, I think it was an okay question, but I could understand why he would be upset. So the next time I was at a game, I sort of followed him down the hallway, and I've never, I'd never done this before with Westbrook. And I just stopped him. I said, "Hey, Russ, you got a second? And he turned and said, "Yeah." Well, he said, "What?" And I said, "Well, I heard I offended you with that question." I said, "I want to apologize. I, you know, it wasn't my intention. Maybe I said it wrong. I apologize." And he said. It's okay, man. Don't worry about it. Turned around and walked away. So he wasn't the least bit upset. On media day, the day, the first time after Durant was gone, so this would have been September of 16, he came up to me and shook hands and said, hey, man, how you doing? So he can be sort of a civil person when it's not the setting of the interviewer and the interviewee. But I think he's just got it so much in his head that the media is the enemy and that the media is is, is is somebody he's supposed to be combative with, that he has a hard time turning it off even when he has no reason to be in that kind of in, in that kind of relationship. So um, I don't know what all that means, but it, uh, I was encouraged by those two things because it makes me think that some of his stuff's just an act. And, you know, some guys... You, what you see is, is what they really are. And sometimes guys put on a, a front. And I think Westbrook puts on a front quite a bit of the time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, Grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You hear, you see uh, mixed things. Did you have any sense of how he was in Oklahoma City uh, in terms of treatment of teammates, staffers, people like that? Um, oh, you know, was it as combative? Was it different? It was different for different people. Um, a lot of people swear by him now. Fewer people swear by him now that he's on another team. <laughs> you know, I mean, he got right. He got the the the, uh, the soft treatment from the organization. If the organization had got a hold of Westbrook in the early years and said, "Listen, here's how you got to do this. You can't treat people this way. You can't act this way. It's it's going to be a disaster." But they didn't, and what we got is what we got. But there's still a lot of you know a lot of pe- Thunder people will will say, you know what, he really is, you know, uh, uh, an interesting and good person behind the scenes. My my cousin taught in one of the inner city schools of Oklahoma City, and she told me the story that, you know, the Thunder does some of their, you know, some of their civic stuff where they go to schools and all that thing. And, you know, several years ago, this had been not as a rookie, or but fairly early in his career, four Thunder players came to U.S. Grant High School and put on some clinic or something. I forgot what they were doing. And my cousin was there, and she said that the three other players, and she didn't remember who they were even, but she said they were okay. But you could tell they were sort of putting in their time. And she said, Russell Westbrook just jumped in, and he was great with the kids and uh, engaged with them and and bantered about with them and, and made them feel, you know, on a personal level. So I've always tried to remember that example that, you know, Russell does have a side where he can be exemplary. Um, on the other hand, there are teammates that didn't much care for his act. One of my famous stories is we had a is a post-game situation. We were on deadline. And um, my colleague, Darnell Mayberry, who now covers the Bulls for the Athletic, but Darnell was on deadline, and he's writing feverishly, and he brings in his laptop into the into the locker room trying to finish his story and there was a spare chair sitting around it wasn't anybody's chair it just happened to be a, a spare chair he sat down in the chair and to, you know because it's hard to write on a laptop standing up westbrook is over you know changing he's already changed clothes but he's making his way before we interview him and he hollers across the the room yo darnell that chair's for players only well, Darnell was a little sheepish. He stood up and put the chair back where it was. Reggie Jackson was a member of the Thunder. Reggie Jackson was about 15 feet away from Darnell. Reggie Jackson took his own chair. It was on rollers. He rolled it to where Darnell was standing and said, Darnell, sit in my chair. Now, I don't take that story to mean that Reggie Jackson is a great humanitarian, necessarily. I took it to mean... Uh, I'm tired of this guy's crap, too. Uh, we all put up with it. So I thought that was very interesting. It's also interesting that, you know, within a year or so, Reggie Jackson was traded rather unceremoniously and uh, clearly didn't get along with Westbrook. So, uh, you know, there have, been, there have been spots throughout the years where there were people who got tired of his, of his shtick. Um, people like Durant, I think, kept it under wraps pretty good. People like Reggie Jackson did keep it under wraps all that well. I mean, 
Westbrook, like a lot of NBA players, has been coddled. Um, and that's not, you know, and to a certain degree, they've earned it, right? Um, I'm not saying that he's, per, you know, so unique. Some of this is his personality, um, you know, wanting the special treatment. Some of this is being in, in Oklahoma City, where I think the Thunder as an organization made a decision of we're going to help put these shields up around these players, media-wise and beyond. Some of this is staying after Durant left, where, of course, you know, he's the center of attention. Everything revolves around him on the court, uh, just stylistically by necessity of that roster. And, and then that extends to off the court and just how he's treated overall. Now we're at a different stage in his career. And he he uh, he's playing with LeBron James. He's playing with, with Anthony Davis. And he has not bent. He has not bent his game. He hasn't shifted. And, and even in this situation... Where, where it seemed like, okay, I know it's hard to shift. You get used to playing a certain style. You get to, used to it, having a certain status within a team, and you can't shift. But now you decide to go to the Lakers. You, you, know, you, you work your way there. You ask for this trade. You worked it out with LeBron. You worked it out with AD. Everybody had concerns stylistically. This is working so terribly. Is there any reason to believe? And this, I don't believe this is just about on-the-court style. That's part of it. But it's also a mentality. It's how you carry yourself. It's how you exist within a team. Is there any reason to believe that as Russell Westbrook goes forward in his career, that he can shift enough to be a productive member of a good team again? Probably not a good team. I mean, if you think about it, if it doesn't work in, stylistically, you said it, it's, it's a disaster. Anybody can see that. But just from a chemistry-wise, you would think this would be the one place where it might work. He's back in his hometown. I think he was fired up about that. I also think that, you know, not everybody can play with LeBron, but most people can. Um, more superstars than not can adapt to LeBron's huge presence. And, you know, Westbrook had sort of been in the shadows before. I mean, he spent eight, seven, eight years in the shadow of Kevin Durant. And if it's not going to work in that regard, I don't know where it is going to work. I do think that, that Russell Westbrook could go play for a team that is not particularly talented or not particularly great and needs somebody to sell tickets and score points and do spectacular things, and he could probably still do that. Not like he could five years ago, but still, you know, still sort of wow the wow the crowd. And there are probably two or three two or three franchises that wouldn't mind that kind of scenario. But on a good team I don't see it. You know, the way Carmelo has sort of capitulated and realized, you know what, I'm not I'm not the Carmelo Anthony of 2011 anymore. I don't know that Russell Westbrook will ever be able to get himself to that spot. It took Carmelo a long time, and Carmelo's a way better shooter, and that one skill in particular goes a long way in translating to being a complimentary player. Um, yeah. And so that, that's going to be one, one of Westbrook's many challenges with it. Um the, the, the coddling aspect, I, I see that playing into his his statement on Westbrook, right? You get everything given to you your way in Oklahoma City. Uh, everything's catered to you. Like, why would you not think that, uh, you know, you can just 
dictate how, how people use what I think is a fairly benign nickname that's really centered on basketball. Again, this is not, I don't think the people using it mean it in a personal way. They mean it about basketball. But what do you think happens next? Because he said, I'm not going to tolerate this. And I don't, I mean, he's had run-ins with fans over the years. Um, you know, some of these are more extreme things where somebody's dumping, you know, uh, or, or saying things that cross the line or, you know, th- things like that. Like, of course, those are, are not okay. Um, but what happens next? Now, he says, I'm not tolerating this. I'm, you know, he, he can be a very stubborn guy, as we've seen in a lot of circumstances. Um, we saw how long he went with you with, with next question. And I think w- when he broke uh, that that uh, in the playoffs, I think his answer was something like, oh, that's a good question. Not sure. Right. Like e- yeah, even then, yeah, when he yeah. gave an inch, it was only an inch and nothing more. Right. Uh, so we've seen the right. stubbornness. What's what's next is he's like saying, I won't tolerate this. Fans are going to well, do it. You're not going yeah. to stop them. What What is he going to do? Is he just going to try and pretend he didn't say this or, or move past it? Or is he going to make this a bigger issue? Is he? I mean, what's next? Well, he's, he's painted himself into a corner. All he did Monday night was invite every arena in the NBA to chant Westbrook. That's all mm-hmm. he did. I mean, uh, it, it was not good strategy on his part. Um, I think uh, ignoring the chants uh, – Drawing back a little bit on the on the uh, defiance, maybe going more stone cold silence. You know, he's actually been in Los Angeles. Maybe he feels more comfortable. He's been more insightful than he was even in his Oklahoma City heyday. I mean, he never told us anything that happened in a basketball game. He never gave any insight about why something occurred. He's doing a little bit of a little better with that in in L.A. Um, so he, I could see him reverting back to where he really doesn't say anything. Um, you know, has a has a ninety second press uh, press conference with the media in which he answers seven questions, and each answer is, you know, twelve seconds long, so um, or, or eight seconds long. So I could. That's sort of where the only place he can go. It's a. It's not a battle he can win. He's not going to shut up the fans of the NBA. He's not. He's not going to shut up Skip Bayless either. No. Or, yeah. Or, or 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 the rest of the you know the media, not just the you know sort of the shrill media, not just the the loudmouths. But uh, and Skip's a friend of mine. He's from Oklahoma City, so I didn't really mean to be smirking. <laughs> yeah, but but hey, um, wouldn't you take that as a compliment? Well, probably, 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 but. Um, He's not, you know, Bill Plaschke is not going to suddenly write in the Los Angeles Times, oh, maybe this will work out. You know that Bill's not going to do that. This is not, it's not going to end well. The, uh, Russell is either going to have to, I think he's just going to have to clam up or he's going to have to change the way he plays. And I don't think he's going to change the way he plays. <laughs> I don't know that he can. I don't know that he's capable. Mm-hmm. I really don't even know. You know, when people say Russell Westbrook's not playing, doing what the Lakers need, I don't know that Russell's capable of doing what the Lakers need. I think he's capable of some, right? He, he could be setting more screens. He could be more active as a cutter. No, you think you think he could set? Can Russell Westbrook set screens? I don't know if he can. Well, he that's hasn't a, done it. In, he literally hadn't set screens in thirteen years. Maybe he did at UCLA. I don't know, but he hadn't set it. I bet he didn't set five screens in 11 seasons in Oklahoma City. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a skill that he even has. Yeah. I, 
Maybe not. I mean, I don't think it was going to be an easy transition. I definitely think the Lakers uh, underestimated what it would take. To, I mean, you could say, look at you can look at what he can do and say, yeah, he should be able to do some of these things. Um, you know, his energy, maybe you direct that more toward defense. He plays with great energy. He's a very inattentive defender, right? It does not translate, but you could see how it would. Um, maybe that's overly optimistic to say he can't do it. I, I share a lot of your, your pessimism that he can't, but I don't know. There's, there's the raw outlines that maybe he could. I wasn't sure that Carmelo Anthony could could play how he's playing now. Um, he figured it out. I think that was a little easier, but he was capable. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's possible that Russell wants to fit in because I feel like he, he's a made man in NBA history. You know, he had that defiant line was it last week, I think it was, where he said, hey, you know, I'm one of the 75 greatest players ever and they can't take that away from me. You know, that's true. It's also 100% beside the point. <laughs> right. Nobody, no, you know, no, when the Lakers are sliding into the sea, nobody cares what, you know, what your status in NBA history is. But that's important to Russell because, you know, for all the, for all the times you hear great athletes and you hear it on every level, high school, college, pro, every level, you know, people say, nobody thought I could do it. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, my favorite is Nolan Richardson once came to Oklahoma City. I think it was 94. Uh, and he brought his Arkansas Razorbacks there, and he talked about how disrespected the Razorbacks had been that year. They were ranked number one. They were number one seed. <laughs> they were seeded number one in the NCAA tournament, and they were being disrespected. So that's just sort of the way that crowd goes. But in Westbrook's tr- case, it's actually sort of true. You know, he, he got the last scholarship at UCLA. It just sort of fell in his lap because they, you know, they, they ended up without a, without a guy they thought they were getting. and There weren't a lot of people left. And he's a great athlete. So Ben Howland takes a flyer on him. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he was billed as a sort of a, you know, just a, a project in the NBA. Everybody thought the Thunder over, overtook him at four. I did. And, you know, people thought, what's he do? What they do? And, and then, you know, they give him the ball. You know, 15 games into this, his rookie season, they, they fire P.J. Carlissimo. And Scotty Brooks says, well, you're my point guard. And he says, this guy can't play point guard. Well, it turns out he's a pretty good point guard. He can pass. He makes decisions rather well. Um, so he became a Hall of Fame point guard. So there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of people doubt him. And he feeds off that. Um, and the problem is he's way past that now. I mean, he's he's the reincarnation of Roscoe Robertson. I mean, he's he's the Mister Triple Double. He's you know, an MVP. He's he's one of the seventy-five greatest. But he still feels like he's got to prove himself. And you know, that's generally in in early in his career, mid in midway through his career, that probably was an advantage. It's probably a disadvantage now that he's still trying to prove himself. When the Lakers just need a good ball player out there doing, you know, doing winning things, they don't need a guy, you know, trying to get his face carved onto, onto somebody's Rushmore. Well, it's proving himself only on his terms, right? It'd be something if he said, "I'll show you, I can bend my game." You think I'm incapable of, uh, of playing this complementary role of setting screens, of playing defense? I'll show you, I can fit in. But that's not the show you. It's only showing you that he can still win on his terms, right. which he, 
I don't think he can. Not not on a meaningful level, not when surrounded with players like LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, we've changed over the years a lot what we find acceptable, uh, ways to treat athletes, even professional athletes. It's, it's shifted. It's become more sympathetic. Do you think there's any chance in 20 years we look back and say, you know what? We, we were wrong. Uh, it really was inappropriate to call him Westbrook. Uh, you know, yeah, people did it, but but it, it really was over the line. And, uh, you know, we we should have known better. I can't see it. I mean, there's a I'm actually of the opinion that fans do cross the line too many times. Uh, media crosses the line too often. There's a lot of that going on. Westbrook does not meet that criteria. Westbrook does not meet that criteria. I don't think. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's sometimes it's too personal, you know, and Russell's been involved in some of that, some of the racial stuff, of course, at Utah and other places. He's been, you know, uh, righteously defiant in, in calling that out. Um, we need to extricate that from, from society, ball games and everywhere else. But not Westbrook. Um, you know, I, I, I have a hard time even buying that bothers his family because, I mean, the difference between Westbrook and Westbrook when it's being chanted by a crowd is not even that. It's hard to distinguish even that. So I can't imagine 20 years from now we're saying, you know what, old Russ, he, he wasn't being overly sensitive. He just he had a good point. Uh, I don't think he's going to have a good point, especially a guy, like I said, who does not who did not uh, hold himself to the same standard of, of respecting somebody's name. Um, so I can't imagine it. I can tell you this. I don't know. I assume he's not going to be all that much of a, a revered figure in his hometown of L.A. But in Oklahoma City, he will, he will still be a revered figure. I mean, he will always be the hero. He will always be lifted up he will always be uh, have a place to come and, and sort of enjoy the trappings of being a, one of the 75 greatest players they're going to put his jersey up in the rafters in a few years they'll have a Russell Westbrook night they'll whatever you can do for a player they will do and it's deserved because I think you might have mentioned it a few minutes ago you know he did stay and when West when Durant left and Westbrook stayed that fortified the franchise. When he signed that contract extension, which would have been in, uh, I think it would have been in September of 17. Even while well, he signed it, he signed an extension in 16 after Durant left, signed another one a year later. And when he did that, that just that fortified the franchise for all the assets that, that uh, Sam Presti was able to manufacture, the trade for Paul George, the trade of Paul George. The trade of Westbrook, the trade of Carmelo, all those things don't happen if Russell Westbrook doesn't re-up, not once but twice, after Kevin Durant left. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell. 
starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I do want to talk uh, briefly before we close out here on this next era of the Thunder, but this is a perfect transition. One of my big curiosities. So Paul George requests this trade to the Clippers. And, you know, the Thunder have every reason to to grant it. They uh, they were in tremendous position to get a, a great return to get Shingles. So Alexander and all these picks, everything not nailed down in LA. Works out great for the Thunder, I think, asset-wise over the long run. And perfect. You can double down because Russell Westbrook is ready to move on. He, he's done all his time in Oklahoma City. Uh, he sees the direction of the team. And they get even more assets. And Chris Paul, who produces a, a nice, to me, very uh, memorable season in Oklahoma City and returns even more assets after that, right? It sends everything on this direction for this next era. What do you think would have happened if Russell Westbrook did not want to leave Oklahoma City? If he didn't think like, you know what, the grass is greener in Houston, this is the right time to to make a break? Because I think in a lot of ways he was happy with the Thunder, right? We've seen this hasn't really worked out for him personally. Uh, the, the, the Rockets weren't as good. Uh, the, the Wizards were kind of eh. We've just spent all this time talking about all his problems in Los Angeles. It has worked out for the Thunder. I, I don't know the degree to which the Thunder kind of pushed him out the door a little bit and said, hey, Russ, you want to move on? This might be a good time for you, you know, knowing that this was their chance to sell high on him. But if he said, I'm happy with the Thunder, uh, obviously they had a right to trade him. He, I don't think he had a no trade clause. They could have done it on their own, but everything worked together in a certain way. If he had not had that interest in moving on, how do you think things would have looked for, for the Thunder and for Russ? Well, I think two things. I think I think you're right. They didn't push him out of Oklahoma City, but they, you know, they were maybe not even the instigator, but I think they were the suggester that said, after Paul George said, I want out, he was out. I think they called Russell and said, what do you think, Russ? End of the line, probably, uh, since we're going to have to sort of retool. Um, I think that's the way it went down, and I think he was fairly fairly uh, agreeable to that and excited about it in some ways. But if he had not been, I think they would have tried to convince him because they didn't want two things. One, I think they wanted to retool the culture of the franchise. I, didn't, I don't think they wanted to rebuild with Shea Gilgis Alexander with Russell Westbrook as his mentor. And it wasn't going to go great in terms of tanking anyway. If you got Westbrook and SGA on the team, you're going to win some games. They still had Steven Adams at the time. And, you know, that had been a 37, 38 win team probably. So um, I think they would have suggested it. If he just dug in and said, I, I, I want to stay, I think they would have tried to make it work. You know, they do some things. That they really cater to the players. They say they do, and then they do it. You know, the work, I still say the worst trade 
Sam Presti's made was the Chris Paul trade, sending him to Phoenix. They got less for Chris Paul than they got for Stephen Adams, for crying out loud. <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense. But he wanted to go west. He wanted to go to a good team, and they try to help guys like that. They, they put Westbrook where he wanted. He, they asked him. Sam asked him, you know, where do you want to play? He said, I think Houston with James. So they, they worked a deal with Houston. So I think they would have tried to – if he really wanted to stay, I think they would have tried to accommodate him. Um, you know, that it, the salary would have hamstrung the franchise, and they probably would have tried to go into tanking mode even with SGA and Westbrook. That wouldn't have made Westbrook very happy, but I think that's probably what they would have done. Um, it's, it's something you really don't want to think about because looking back at that contract – it's remarkable, you know, when, when they signed it and, and then things sort of didn't really pan out with the Paul George era. You look at that Westbrook contract and you think, how will they ever get out from under that? And it turns out, you know, it's now been traded, you know, three times. Um, Thunder traded it, the Wizards traded it, the Rockets traded it. So um, who knows, but uh, I think the Thunder for sure is very happy with the way things turned out. Do you think Russ would have been happier, even even with your prediction that they still would have gone to tanking and he wouldn't have liked that? We've seen all his unhappiness since. Or, or do you think, hey, you know, even if it hasn't worked out, the opportunity to move closer to the, at least on paper, in the title chase, do you think that uh, that all ultimately, like, satisfied him in a, in a way that he never could have gotten staying in Oklahoma City? I don't know. You make a good point in that Russell Westbrook liked – he liked Bean and likes Bean, the franchise cornerstone and the center of the universe. And the, uh, you know, the way we've seen other superstars sort of try to engineer uh, roster building, that's not something he ever did. So, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that uh, he would have been too discontented with with the way things went. He might, he might have been he might have been okay playing out his twilight years in Oklahoma City for a mediocre or worse franchise. And maybe he'll end up back up there. I mean, we see the Thunder's plan, right? Uh, to go get an expensive player. If enough picks are attached, they'll do it. Um, the result is a team that is not very good right now. And I hear over and over throughout the league, uh, teams say, we can't tank. Not in our market. It doesn't work. Um, you know, the, the fans are just, there's not, the fans will turn on us. It won't work. We, we just can't do it. Uh, and some of those teams end up really bad anyway. So I wonder what they have to lose to deliberately be a little worse with a plan. Uh, the Thunder definitely have a plan. I'm curious, what is the fan reception there? To this plan, this is uh, you know a new NBA market that had the one you know honeymoon year, regardless, and then a team that was very very good for a decade, and now is in this era of being bad, really, for the first time. Uh, how is that going over there? Oh, it's it's about fifty fifty on people who understand what's going on, and fifty you know fifty fifty on people who don't understand. But the fans are sort of voting with their butts in the seats or the, or the, or the box office. The, you know, the ticket sales have drastically reduced. Um, it's no different. You know, the Thunder always like to pretend, always like to pretend it was some kind of special franchise that's going to you know, be there through thick and thin. But the truth is they're like about anybody else with the impossible exception of Golden State. Um, you know, I always admired the Warriors. They had that desert, you know, 15, maybe 
30 years without a <laughs> decent team, and the fans stayed with them. Um, most franchises, that doesn't happen, whether it's big city or not. doesn't matter. Um, so I think what we're going to see is uh, the, 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 the tickets gone way down. The fans will come back as they improve. But Oklahoma City has sort of been revealed as nothing special in terms of a market, just sort of typical NBA, which is, you know, probably what we should have been thinking of ourselves in the first place. But do, do you think that caught the franchise off guard going through this plan? Was it? Was do you think there was an expectation that the fans would, would stick uh, by coming to games by paying to come to games through this tanking, or, or, or was that already built in? Is that going to change the the patience of how long Sam Presti is going to be allowed to go in this direction of, of these asset accumulation years, regardless of whether the on court product is enjoyable to watch in this moment? Uh, I think Sam sort of realized it now ownership or you know business side maybe not but i think sam's smart enough to know you know the fervor and the uh, the consistency of the fan base was going to go way down when you deal with a when you deal with this kind of product you know and i, I don't i'm not trying to say the thunders the, the thunder fans are going through something other people haven't it's only been two years of bad basketball Let's go talk to Charlotte or Sacramento or Minnesota or somebody, see how they feel. But um, I, I think Sam realized it was going to be a pretty good, a pretty good dip. I mean, it, you know, it's only been two years, yes, but you know what? The end in sight. I'm not sure. This is still a very young, raw roster. Um, you know, if if the goal is championships, I'm not sure that is the goal. That's, I, I guess, part of my question is what what is the goal here? Um, you know, if it's, but if it's to build up a championship roster, you got to make the most of these swings while you're down. And once you start to go up, your, your draft pick gets worse. It's going to be harder to add uh, marquee talent. Uh, so you, you really got to time it right. Um, you know, what What's the goal and, and how long can the Thunder stay down in pursuit of that goal? Because there could be a payoff and we've seen it, right? Sam Presti has shown already that he knows how to do this. There was a multi-year tank around the time of the move. That's how you get Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. That's why you get those high picks. Um, is there, a, you know, what's the goal now? Is there added confidence because uh, Sam Presti has done it before or is it going to have to get going in a different direction sooner than later? His goal, his goal is to rebuild a championship roster. Now, that's not going to be easy. There's no chance, I don't think, they can reach the talent level they had when you had Durant and Westbrook, you know, in their young primes. Um, but I do think he he's he's dreaming big. He doesn't want any shortcuts. He has a problem in that some of some of the young talent is actually better than anybody thought. Everybody thought SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, would be a really good player. Turns out he's a star. We're trying to figure out if he's a superstar, but he's clearly a, an elite player. You know, Blue Dork falls on their head and is a defensive demon, kind every big-time team needs. Josh Giddy's, you know, about seven years old from Australia, comes <laughs> into the league and is doing great things. So they've hit on some some not just picks, but free agent signings. Um, their window is short to get a lottery, you know, lottery luck. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can go twenty-two and sixty next year if everybody plays you know, seventy games. 
Um, well, I don't know. I mean, as talented as some of these players are, uh, their ability to influence winning right now, I mean, it's not great. Yeah, I, you know, you're right, but I, I do think they're more likely to go 30 and 52 next year, which gets you seventh or eighth in the lottery, not third or fourth. So they they had bad lottery luck last last spring. Mm-hmm. They were tied for fourth. They got the sixth pick this year. They're probably going to be fourth. They need one of those one two three picks. They get sixth again. That's going to delay the rebuild. But you know they're still. But they're going to be better than some teams that really don't know how to win. The Thunder knows how to win in terms of culture and doing the right things. So they win some games just. You know, by making it to the arena. Sure, they all—they also know how to lose. They know how to get away yeah, with it. shutting yeah, shutting down an Al Horford and making sure that yeah, enough guys are true. missing games. Yeah, that's true. I, but I just maybe maybe they can do this again next year. Go twenty-two and sixty. I don't know, but it seems like the thirty range is more likely. And if that's the case, you know, they they may be chasing that. They may be chasing that one, two, or three pick for a long time. Yeah. Well, very, I very much appreciate the, the insight on Russell Westbrook, the insight on the situation in Oklahoma City. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'll let you get back to the Big 12 tournament. Enjoy Kansas City. Hey, glad to do it, Dan. Thanks. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.